It's our wrap of the top business stories, and uh, I'm joined to uh, take a look at some of these stories by analyst at Vestact Asset Management, and that is Bright Kumalam Dunga. Uh, good evening to you and welcome, and uh, I guess I salute you on this uh, day of young people. Yes, happy youth day, and it's obviously aye, lovely aye, aye. to be here on this day. We don't we don't say happy youth day. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is a reflective day. There are holidays where siachabula. Uh, this is not one of those. Yes, uh, yes, so, of so that's why I say I salute you and uh, I hope you had a reflective and a good day. Uh, and uh, I guess a day where you reflected on all of the things that face us as young people. Yes, yes. Well, I, I have certainly done that and I stand corrected. It's not a happy day. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Bulaz, uh, let's talk about Trump for, for a second here. Uh, it seems there's a, I guess, a lot of to and fro since the uh, economic response to COVID started in the US. Uh, Donald Trump uh, now, I guess, mulling over a $1 trillion um, infrastructure-led stimulus here uh, to uh, spur on the recovery of the American economy. What do you make of this? And I guess the big question is, where are they going to find the money uh, with all of the debates on uh, the revenue side of the budget on uh, whether or not to raise new taxes? Yes. Um, in, so America is not in the same situation um, you know, when it comes to their finances as compared to us here yeah. in South Africa. They, they could find ways of uh, raising the trillion dollars um, in terms of, you know, to spare that infrastructure that you're talking about. Obviously, the dams, they've got their own uh, deal that they said they, they're thinking of spending over $500 billion that they've proposed this month. Donald Trump is going to talk to us about uh, the 5G deal and the telecom deal that will be part of the infrastructure plan. Um, so it's, it, there's a lot of moving parts towards this plan, but uh, the world's largest economy you know, is, is, is in a much better standing than many places um, you know, in the rest of the world when it comes to uh, being able to raise such funds. But the whole plan uh, basically is to help spur growth or bring back growth uh, to to America, uh, which I- I in essence obviously going to provide jobs for people in the real economy. Mm, mm. And 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 when you think about, I guess, this idea of an infrastructure-led recovery in Bulaz, I mean, we're talking about the same thing here in South Africa. Uh, and I guess it's it's an old idea. I mean, if you think even about Franklin Roosevelt and the New Deal, uh, a lot of that was really pegged on using infrastructure as a way to uh, kickstart I mean, the recovery of the economy. Even Keynes, I mean, right? look, pardon. I'm saying you can go all the way back to Andrew Carnegie, so you can go way back. Well, even before that, uh, I mean, look, J- yeah, 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 even and before J. that. Morgan as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you think about the shipbuilding industry in the UK and the whole idea behind colonialism, all of that was really driven by this idea of an expansionary, I guess, a fiscal approach to, to try and spur on the recovery of, of the economy. Um, a similar debate is happening here in South Africa, and I'm quite interested in, I guess, what lessons you draw, if any, uh, from what's happening in the US about no. how we talk about ours here at home. You know, what's important with an infrastructure-led um, recovery, it's very important. It's in the real economy. It's not phantom. It's not up in the air, like, for example, pumping in, you know, helicopter money into the market. Mm. Uh, it's very different. It's real. It involves the average man on the street. So it, I think uh, it both, you know, you know, phantom and non-phantom-led, um, you know, sort of, uh, building of the economy are very important. So, of course, I'll say that because I'm in finance. <laughs> I add no direct value uh, in the economy, but mm. it's very important. I'm, I'm more on the side of the infrastructure-led uh, because 
um, like I said, I mean, it's, it's very important that you, you, you bring basically the average person on the street, give them the opportunity to have a, a, you know, a fair fighting chance mm-hmm. uh, in, 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 in honing, um, you know, the, the, the ability to get back into the economy, pay sure, down sure. their debts. Like, like the last time I, I told you here in South Africa, we've got a, a very big debt problem where um, the, the debt-to-income mm-hmm. ratio is about 71%, meaning for every 1,000 rand someone gets in income, uh, you know, 710 rand spent, um, basically servicing debt every mm-hmm. month. We, we, we want to lower those statistics to a number that is, you know, palatable, sure, like 15%, sure. 30%. Okay, we don't, we don't let's pause then, Bulaz, Bulaz, because I want us... No, um, let's pause, let's pause economy, there. Yeah? Let's take a break. I want us to come back to this theme after this brief break. As scheme sum unfolds, uh, Clement built up the courage to speak. He had decided that it was the right time to admit to his true feelings. Now, feelings he had been keeping safely deep inside for almost a lifetime now. Clement's hope is that his family, friends and community accepts and loves him unconditionally. Now, to learn more as the story uh, unfolds, catch a scheme sum weekday at uh, 18.30 or at 6.30 p.m. in the evening on SABC One. Brought to you by SABC Education. Enriching minds, enriching lives. It might be use day and uh, South African markets closed, but it's certainly not uh, a day where there isn't any news on the business front. And I'm joined by uh, Bright Kumalo from Vestact Asset Management to take a look at some of our stories. Now, Bulaz, I want us to maybe close this point on, on infrastructure because you make an interesting point around our debt to GDP. And, uh, you know, I often make uh, the case that, I mean, how long is a piece of string, right? Uh, you say maybe let's bring it down to about 50% or 40% or so, which uh, you suggest is Something manageable. Wait, wait, let me finish. You manage yeah. that that is, ma- you, you propose that that is manageable. But I guess the big issue is what we're using the debt for. Um, so if the debt, as we continue to pile it up, contributes to our long-run growth potential, then I guess maybe it could pay itself back. Correct. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm not too um, against using debt, you know, to progress, right? But uh, in the past, that's not exactly what we've used uh, debt to do, right? Because we, we are known as a very consumer-driven uh, sure, uh, sure. economy, meaning the debt that we use, we, we take for, you know, for clothing accounts, for, you know, store accounts, et cetera, et cetera. And what, it, what just happens is that we, we're basically spending tomorrow's income today, uh, you, you know, and, and, and that's very you know, expensive thing to do. You want to, you know, spend less than you earn and you save the difference and then eventually uh, live off of the difference, right? But mm. what we're doing, we're doing the opposite. We're yeah. spending yeah. more than we earn um, and obviously uh, using the gap sure. by taking the debt yeah. Um, yeah. To, to try to bridge the gap. But what it just does, it, 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 you're kicking down the, the, the can down the road sure, and sure. you're putting yourself in the debt trap. I guess, Nambulaz, I mean, in no way am I suggesting that you, you want to grow on the basis of debt, but I, I think the issue I'm trying to Correct. raise is around the composition of spending the money, irrespective of how you raise it. I mean, you could raise it through taxes or you could raise it by going through going to debt markets, but the big issue is, are you spending it in the right areas that would allow some of that money to be able to pay itself over uh, back in the expansion of the economy or even its uh, growth potential. But let's shift our attention quickly now to uh, a very interesting company, uh, you know, Unilever. And um, I remember Just Ice a few weeks ago uh, recounting the story of how uh, the country of, I- of Nigeria has a very intimately uh, 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 related history to, uh, uh, I guess, the palm oil or palm olive or what later on became Unilever. And it seems now that uh, they are on a path to reduce their own emissions 
and uh, with a new climate plan that's putting carbon labels on 70,000 products. Yes, so this is, um, I mean, we've seen a lot of corporates um, doing their part in terms of tackling carbon emissions. Uh, of course, you know, you, you speak of a very important uh, part of every manufacturing process, which is palm oil. Mm. Uh, and we know that, uh, you know, cultivating and, uh, you know, removing all of the palm oil uh, in East Africa and in places like Uganda and, uh, you know, Rwanda, etc., has disturbed uh, the, 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 you know, the, 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 the ecosystem where gorillas live, etc., etc. Yes. You know, if you have a, a Gen Z sibling, they'll tell you all about it, right? Um, and obviously... <laughs> I don't know if... Why, why are you taking a dig at the Gen Zs? I mean, uh, somebody was saying to me the other day, they have a higher social justice uh, quotient. I mean, I, I like that. Uh, that uh, I, I like Gen Z like is more progressive than a most lot. of us. I learn mm. a lot from them when it comes to that. So, yes. Um, and this is a business that, you know, uses palm oil in almost all of their products, right? So Because it's part of the manufacturing process. And in that, they, they burn a lot of stuff and obviously release a lot of emissions. They're responsible for a lot of emissions. Um, in the world, because mm. they operate in over you know 150 countries, so it's a, it's it's a big company. And obviously, if a company like this, even if they're not even looking to be you know superior in terms of carbon emissions, just fight for you know um, being carbon um, neutral. This is now obviously by 2039, according to them. Um, you know, they will put these stickers with that tutorial about letting us know how much emissions were emitted um, in that product. Specifically, there will be around 70,000 different SKUs mm. that they're going to be uh, putting these labels on. So just a, that's, I mean, just that's a quick a question first, there. That's um, the first step. And um, it's um, a big step and it's leading by example. Just just on that step, I mean, I'm quite interested and I, and, and I certainly commend the step. I think it's it's a move in the right direction. Many of their competitors are probably not doing the same thing, which I guess distinguishes them. But the you know, the, when you said they they sort of going to have the labeling there of the emissions, the first thing that came to my mind was the VW emission scandal, uh, you know, a few years ago, which was really, I guess, about cooking up the numbers in terms of your own emissions, and then on that basis, uh, your obligations to the sta- to the ta- to the taxman when it comes to, I guess, uh, carbon taxes. But uh, you know, I mean, how, how do we trust a company when they come out and say we're going to measure these emissions and we're going to put them on the labeling? Uh, how do we trust them not to do what VW did a few years ago? Well, maybe the, let let VW be the benchmark study of what happens if you do if you say you want to do one thing and then obviously you bypass the process mm. and you uh, print out out there in the public fake numbers, right? Sure. You get fined, people get fired, people lose jobs. It becomes very nasty and for the entire ecosystem now, obviously of businesses, and that's not what you want. You want to do a thing, you know, uh, if this is coming from a a good place. It must be done in the same, you know, sort of, it must come from the same place, mm. you know, when you actually come to the execution. I mean, many places, Unilever is not the first business to go this route, but I'll, I'll use a different example with Nestle, where yes. they've decided around 2014, 2013, that they're not going to play in a lot of sugar products mm. because they were known as a sugar company, right? And they've changed a lot of the ingredients that they put in things like chocolate, etc. And they actually exited 100% of some of the SKUs that had sugar. And this has, you know, done lots and lots of good for Nestle. You've seen the share price go from, you know, um, 40 euros to around 66 euros currently. And they've recovered quite nicely with the COVID-19. And this is just one example of 
what's going on out mm. there in terms of these things. And Nestle has diversified and wants to be seen now as a, a nutrition, health, and wellness company. But again, there are a lot of other companies that are you know, in this space, for example, like mining companies here in South Africa that have come out and said they want to be carbon neutral after you know, so many years, in a, so many years period, meaning uh, mechanization in their processes and obviously trying to burn less uh, you know, coal in their processes using alternative energy. This is why EPPs in South Africa are so important. Mm, so there's mm. a lot of businesses that are, yeah. are working towards the, you know, undoing what they've done you know, in the many years. That and I guess you know, I mean, they, what, they, one they of the big the ones, thing. one of the big guys here in South Africa that have to do that uh, are two companies that have certainly been intimately tied to the economic history of our country, and that's Eskom and Sassel. But uh, that's a story for exactly. another day because I, I think they are going to be critical to this just transition in terms of their own behavior when it comes to their emissions. But last before I let you go. And their own survival yeah. too. Exactly, exactly. I mean, uh, I don't think Eskom yeah. and yeah. Sassel is going to be able to survive with the kind of dirty model that they've had uh, uh, over the last few decades. But last before I let you go, it seems uh, large French telecoms player Orange uh, is uh, setting its sights on Cell C, judging from what people are suggesting in the marketplace. What's happening here? I don't know, man. That's uh, that's a lot of speculation, yeah. Because I mean, we've had you know Saudi Oger as an investor in Chelsea for a very long time. They've been diluted at some time, at some point. They followed their rights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I don't know, but I mean, if the price makes sense, maybe Saudi Oger wants to get out and an orange or orange, whatever you want to call it, the French telecom giant, which is basically dominant in, in West Africa, mostly in the Francophone countries. Uh, because of the, you know, we know the history of Cote d'Ivoire, for example, where they operate in Cameroon. Um, we know, you know, the kind of influence that they have. Mm. So obviously they want to extend maybe, you know, into the rest of Africa. Maybe this is one of their ways, but I don't know if Southie is the company you'd want to back um, in, 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 in a commodity environment yeah. like, you know, telecoms. Because if you're selling something like data, which is a commodity, uh, the guy with the biggest numbers wins, right? And obviously, the cheapest commodity wins. We've mm. got MTN, we've got uh, Vodacom, who have slashed their data prices by a lot. They've got a much stronger balance sheet. Um, they paint down the debt aggressively, and they pay very, very high dividends with dividend and they have infrastructure. and 10%. Yes, and they mm. continue, you know, investing in that infrastructure. Um, you know, MTN has spoken about a, a 13 billion uh, rand infrastructure program, even though, uh, you know, the economy is not looking so great. They haven't cancelled most of the infrastructure plans that they've announced five years ago. It's, it, it, why would you want to come into that environment as a nobody, a number five or a number mm. four? It makes no sense. Nice. Bulaz, let's leave it there. It seems this uh, is going to be uh, a headache for a long time for the guys at Blue Label Telecoms. I mean, you would have seen them writing down <laughs> the, their investment in Salsi. Uh, so uh, they're probably going to be saying good riddance to bad rubbish uh, at some point if uh, a suitor does come along for Salsi. But uh, everybody now, of course, speculating that it might be orange. Uh, Bright Kumalo, let's leave it there, my brother. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Always a pleasure. That there was uh, Bulaz. I'm doing while they're speaking to us, uh, Bright Kumalo, analyst at Vestact Asset Management. And uh, that concludes our business wrap. If you uh, just joined us, you can catch that again on metrofm.co.za for our podcast. And uh, we'll take a brief break now. When we come back, we take a look at uh, the day we're commemorating today. And there's certainly nothing to smile and uh, be jovial about as we reflect on many a life sacrificed uh, in youth uh, to have uh, some of the things that we take for granted today.